0: So, once again, thank you band, and thank you to all of our worship leaders, our readers, our tech team, those who shared prayers. You're all absolutely essential to what it means to worship here. Today is the fourth week of Advent, the last Sunday in our countdown to Christmas. And it's the Sunday of love. And so this week I'm going to take us on a bit of a deep dive of Jesus's remarks on what we now know as the greatest commandment. This teaching of Jesus comes in the middle of a series of debates that Jesus is having with both Pharisees and Sadducees, uh, with them repeatedly trying to trap him. They're trying to catch Jesus here, and they want to force him into saying something that's either religiously blasphemous or politically unacceptable. So they're bringing all these impossible questions at him to try to trap him. We'll start our reading in Matthew 22 and we'll start at verse 36. Perfect, thank you. The Pharisees got together and one of them, an expert in the law, meaning the Old Testament, tested him with this question. He says to Jesus, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and all the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now since most of us are familiar with this cherished passage, our experience of hearing it is likely something like comfort, peace, familiarity, maybe a little nostalgia is attached to these words for you. After all, I mean, this is what Jesus always says here, right? The fact that we have such access to the the story, the words, the teachings of Jesus can make them feel sometimes a little too familiar we can hear these words as nice or sweet or, you know, just church talk rather than the powerful, mighty, radical gifts that they are. So what I'm going to try to do here today is to remove the familiarity from some of these words by looking at their first occurrence in the original Hebrew and see if that can't help us read them again but for the first time. Now, interestingly enough, when Jesus gives this answer to the Pharisees in Matthew 22, the words would have been familiar to that Pharisee as well, like they are for us, maybe. And that's because Jesus answers his question, what is the greatest commandment, with the Shema, an ancient prayer from Deuteronomy chapter 6 that any faithful Jew in the time of Jesus and many around the world recite as many as three times a day. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. So let's take these one at a time and dig into how the Hebrew at play in the original here, how the Hebrew functions, because it's really interesting. at least to a nerd like me. So let's see what happens. The first of these commandments is the command to love God with all your heart. Excellent. And, and that's what the Hebrew word for heart here looks like. Uh, you would pronounce it something like lev. And lev is a great example of how a small Hebrew word ha- can have big potential in its meaning. Most commonly, it's translated as heart, But it can also mean inner self, the mind, or the will. With 953 occurrences in the Old Testament, the various authors of the 39 books get a lot of mileage out of this word. If you picked up the New American Standard Bible, uh, you could find it represented lots of different ways. Leb shows up as attention, concern, conscience, courage, imagination inspiration, intelligence, the self, understanding, and wisdom, and all of these different translations are possible because of the way that the ancient Hebrews understood the function of the heart. They knew that the heart somehow kept you alive. They knew that if it broke, you were in trouble. Um, They knew it kept you alive, but they also believed that the heart is where your memories were stored, Uh, that that is where your personality lived, and that the heart was the place where you experienced emotions and made decisions. With this in mind, we could read this first love as, Love the Lord your God with all of your life, all of your imagination, with all of your conscience, with all of your concern, your attention. Love the Lord your God with your inner self and all of your heart. The second command in the Shema to love God is to love God with all your soul. Now, the word for soul looks like that. It's pronounced something like nefesh. And the word nefesh occurs 754 times in the Old Testament, and that might not surprise you that the Bible is concerned with souls. We kind of have that idea already. But interest, it's really cool. It's really cool, guys. The first occurrence of this word nefesh Comes in the first chapter of Genesis, just to talk about life itself. And in chapter two, when God creates Adam, uh, the text says God breathes the, the the breath of life into the dirt, and it became a living nefesh. This word is fascinating in how eastern it is. It's completely different than the way we use the words body or soul in English. Most of the major Christian theologians of the first few hundred years of our religion that have had lasting impacts on our faith are Western thinkers. They're highly influenced by Greek philosophy and the work of philosophers. And in, in their worldview, the Western worldview that we live in, the body and soul are separate things. And when you, you bring that perspective into the New Testament, And the works of the Apostle Paul, you get this notion, which is now prevalent in the church, that the soul is good and the body, the flesh, is bad. This concept called dualism makes no sense in the Old Testament. Nefesh is far too complicated to allow for such confusion. The word can accurately be translated as soul or living being, or life, or person, or desire, passion, appetite, emotion, human. All of that wrapped up into one little word and used to describe what it means to be a human being. All of those aspects of you—your life, your body, your soul, your emotion, your desire, your passion—that's what it looks like when the breath of God enters dirt, and it becomes human. With this in mind, we could read that second command to love as love the Lord your God with all your soul, with all your being, with all your life, with all your personality, with all your passion, your desire, your emotion. Love the Lord your God with all of your humanity. And finally, we come to strength, and this is where it gets weird, because the word for strength up here, it's um, moed, meod, sorry, I read it backwards. Dyslexia is fun with Hebrew. Uh, The Hebrew word being translated here is meod, and it does not mean strength. Hebrew has two excellent words that mean what you and I tend to think of when we hear the word strength. Uh, there's oze, which uh, means strong, and there's tokef, which means something like power or sturdiness. These two words get used for strength and authority and, and things like that, the way we think of strength normally. They're adjectives. They describe nouns. On the other hand, miod, the word here in this prayer, is best translated as much Or very. If something is very good, it is meowed good. If something is very powerful, it is meowed powerful. If something is the absolute worst, it is meowed, meowed bad. When the Hebrew writers wanted to make something superlative, they just doubled it up. So in the creation poem at the beginning of the Bible, God says, This is good this is good this is good this is good when he gets to this is very good it says miode miode good it doubles up to ramp up the power and as you can imagine the bible is absolutely full of this word i mean it's the word much and the word very you use this a lot when you talk but all throughout the bible it is only translated into english as strength once and that's here in the Shema, so that's a little weird, right? We, we could try to translate directly. It would be something like, love the Lord your God with all your very. That doesn't work very well, right? English teacher, love the Lord your God with all your much. It, do, it doesn't quite work in English, but you can kind of feel what's happening, right? Love the Lord your God with all your muchness. Like, it's it's wrong, but we get it. It's it's almost like the author is trying to say, whatever you have, whatever you are, whatever you can do, use it, be it, do it, a hundred percent for God. That's good, right? You can feel how rich that is. Whatever it is you have, whatever it is, You do whatever it is you are use it do it be it a hundred percent for God and so if we put these three full meanings back together we could read the Shema something like this love the Lord your God with all your life imagination conscience concern with all of your attention your inner self with all of your heart love the Lord your God with all of your being your personality your passions your desires, your emotions, with all of your humanity, whatever it is you have, use it, do it, be it, a hundred percent. For God, can I get an amen? I I mean, that's good, right? That's really, really good. And I I mean, seriously, y'all, that should trigger something for you. You should start to feel something. This should awaken some sort of joy in you because— If God wants it, that means it's good. If the command is to honor, serve, and love God with something, then it's validated, it's accepted, it's good, it's meaningful, it's beautiful. Love the Lord your God with all your life, imagination, conscience, concern, attention, inner self with all your being, your personality, your passions, your desires, your emotions, your very humanity, whatever it is you are or do or have, use all of it 100% for God. All of it is good. All of it is wanted. All of it is welcomed. None of it is outside of the Christian life. None of it belongs to the realm of the profane or in some sort of carnal plane of existence where God never dares go. None of it is to be ashamed of. None of it is to be hidden. Your passions, your concern, your imagination, your emotions, your desire, all of it, your inner life, your personality, whatever makes you, you, all of that, all of your humanity, all of your physicality, all of your body, all of your intellect, it is all wanted and welcomed in the kingdom of God, all of you. And that is really good news. And there's an invitation here in this greatest commandment because, as Jesus says, the second is like it. There's more. Because we are commanded to love God and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Now, I don't know about you, but I've often had trouble with this second one. Love your neighbor as yourself. And not because... I have trouble loving other people but because I have trouble loving myself. Being honest with y'all, if, if I spoke to you the way that I tend to speak to myself inside of my head, y'all would have fired me a long time ago. <laughs> Sometimes it's hard for me to just tolerate being around myself. I don't know if that's ever been your experience. I've had seasons where I've really, truly, deeply hated myself. Maybe some of y'all can relate to this experience. That third part of the command, love God, love others, love self, for me, is really challenging. Because I know way too much about myself. And I don't always like what I know. I know all the ways that I am not lovable. I know all the ways and places in my heart that are more dead than alive. I know where my sin has left scars on my soul. And I know where the wounds dealt by others have left my soul marred as well. I know what makes me not good enough and why I am not an acceptable or fitting offering to God. But still, Jesus speaks to me. Love the Lord your God with all your life, all your imagination, your conscience, your concern— your attention, your inner life, your heart, your being, your personality, your passions, your desires, your emotions, your very humanity, whatever it is, use that to love God. Do you hear the invitation there? There's an invitation here to a new perspective, a new way of seeing, a new way of of being. Because there's a story that I am telling about myself— It's a story of not good enough, a story of ugly, a story of sin, a story of darkness, a story of death. But God is telling a different story. God's telling a story about relationship, about beauty, about forgiveness of life and light and reconciliation. This is the paradigm that God invites us to live under— This is the reality built into this command to love God and love our neighbor as ourselves, that all of us is redeemable. And yes, I'm going to read it all again because we need to hear it. I need to hear it. God declares goodness over your life, your imagination, your conscience, your concern, your attention, your inner life, your being, your personality, your passion, your desire, your emotion, all of your humanity, whatever you can do, whatever you are, whatever you have, God says this too can be redeemed. And this command to love is also a command to accept the story that God is telling about others and about you. And God hasn't just left us out here with the command to do these things. To believe that our sin, our brokenness, does not get to have the final word, no. God has shown us. Remember what Kurt read so well for us earlier in the service from Romans 5. God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much shall we be saved from God's wrath? Through him for if while we were God's enemies We were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more having been reconciled shall we be saved through his life? Heart soul Strength God saw this in us from the beginning while we were yet sinners God initiated our salvation while we were still God's enemies God so loved the world that he gave his only son. This Christmas, let's receive this gift from the child in the manger, that God has already made the first move, and that salvation, redemption, reconciliation are being done, not in spite of us, but because of God's great love for us. And the people that God knows us to be, people of value and worth, objects of God's love and desire. And if this is true, then we are going to have to obey the commandment to treat each other and ourselves with love. Because God first loved us, and that has to change everything. Amen.